0: Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. All right, I think we are ready to get started. Uh, jump back into uh, the Advent series about the Seed of the Woman. Uh, ultimately. Christ, but we're talking about the women in the genealogy um, mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. That's who we spoke about, that's who Ben spoke about last week, was Tamar. Um, and Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. So Ben spoke about... Uh, Tamar, last week, can you take a guess at who we are going to be speaking about this week? Anybody have a guess out there? I heard something. Rahab? That is correct. We will be speaking, I will be speaking about Rahab, and it is actually a very um, cool story, one filled with faith. Um, now, we're going to see this story of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2, which we will turn there, but I would like to um, give a little bit of context of where we are at this, uh, kind of before this point. So, we come to Joshua. Joshua is the new leader of Israel after Moses, right? Uh, He's taken over as leader of the children of Israel, um, and he's about to enter the land. Now, this is where I want to kind of go go farther back, okay? So about 40 years prior, Moses, who is um, the leader at the time, uh, they were in the wilderness. God was going to have them enter the promised land, as he said, uh, and have them take dominion over the land. And he sends out 12 spies in Numbers chapters 13 and 14. You can turn there if you want. I'm not going to read the whole of those two chapters. Um, But 12 spies are sent out. God tells Moses to send out 12 spies uh, to spy out the promised land, which included Canaan. Um, So 10 of the 12 spies, they, they, they go into the land. They see all of these... Uh, I don't know, giants, big men, powerful men. They see the land of how good it is um, and how, I you don't know the enemies of these people are, are devoured around them in a manner of speaking. that they're just so strong. And they bring this report back to Israel. Ten of the 12 say, we can't take we can't take on these people. They're too strong for us. They're too big for us even though God has said he has promised them the land. And the other two, which included Joshua, um, who we'll hear a little bit about today in the book of Joshua. Joshua and Caleb were the ones who said, no, we can take the land. The Lord is with us. Let us go and conquer, essentially. But, of course, the people go kind of with the majority of what the spies said, the 10 of the 12 spies said, we can't, we can't do this. And so the people started to grumble and they grumbled to the point of, they said, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Ditch Moses, let's get somebody who's going to listen to us. And we're going to go back to Egypt where we were in slavery because it's better than facing these enemies who are bigger and more powerful than we are. And God says to Moses, he says, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. God was going to wipe out the people of Israel, essentially, and restart over. But Moses intercedes for the people of God, and he appeals to God's um, reputation. He appeals to God's power and his steadfast love. He says... The nations will say it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give them, that he has killed them in the wilderness. Then he says, please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love. And more was said here. I'm, I'm kind of cutting it down to the essence of what Moses was saying. And so, to some degree... God relents. And in chapter 14, um, verses uh, it's 33, it says, And your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. Minus those of Joshua and Caleb who were faithful to God, but I want you to take take that word there, faithlessness, that the people of Israel were faithless. And I want you to keep that in mind as we move into this story of Rahab, okay? So, Joshua chapter 2, Um uh, read this first section here. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. So this is the first view of Rahab that we see, and she is a prostitute. It's not necessarily an honor. it's not an honorable um, job it's not honorable who she is from what this is saying came into the house of the prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there and it was told to the king of Jericho behold men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house for they have come to search out all the land but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them and she said true the men came to me but I did not know where they were from the king of Jericho uh, finds out that they're staying at Rahab's place. So he sends some soldiers and they want her to turn them over to him and she lies and deceives them and says, "Um, I didn't know who they were and they left before you guys showed up, before the gates closed and they made it outside of the city. Rahab at this point is risking her life and maybe the life of her family to protect Israelite spies. The people who have come to take over the land, the people who have come to destroy her people, she is now protecting them and lying for them. She's risking her life because if if the king of Jericho found out that those two spies were in there, I bet you it would not go well for her. And so I would say it seems that she has betrayed her people. She has risked her life and she has betrayed her people for these two spies. Let's think about that. And we'll move on to the next section here and we'll see why. Verse 8 says before the men lay down she came up to them on the roof and said to them i know that the lord i want you to keep this in mind lord here is yahweh right this is the god of israel she knows the name of the god of israel she doesn't say your god she says the lord yahweh i know that the lord yahweh has given you the land He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell this business of ours, then... When the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Rahab makes a pretty bold statement to these Israelite spies. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Rahab is risking her life and betraying her people because her faith and allegiance are now to the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of heaven and earth, and Rahab has this faith that Israel didn't have 40 years prior, or that the majority of Israel didn't have 40 years prior, and the reason they couldn't enter the land at that time. Rahab had the faith that Israel didn't. And it was because of the words that she heard, how God had delivered Israel, how God had helped Israel Conquer. Faith comes by hearing. And her faith wasn't in the walls of Jericho. She was in a fortified city. But she knew that God had given them Israel, the land. She didn't put her faith in the walls of Jericho. Her faith wasn't in making sure the Israelite spies never made it back to Joshua or the Israelites to give a report. Her faith wasn't in the gods of her people. Rahab's faith was now in Yahweh, the God of Israel. Her allegiance was now to the one true God. And she demonstrates that faith by hiding th- these Israelite spies. In James 2, 14, or, well, we'll look at the end. Uh, James 2, 14 through 26. Um, if you're familiar with James, something saying about faith without works is dead, right? And he actually um, mentions... Rahab, when he's talking about this at the end there, he says, verse twenty four, You see that a person is justified by works, and not by faith alone, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also also faith apart from works is dead. Rahab's faith in Yahweh was one of action to the risk of her own life. She demonstrated the reality of her faith. And how do you and I demonstrate the reality of our faith? How are we putting our faith into action. What areas is God calling you to step out in faith? To act. To serve. Maybe to put away those things that lead us into a, a lifestyle of sin. To, to become a part of a ministry it's needed. What are those things that you've been convicted about in your devotions, in your prayer time? During the Sunday sermon, your Bible study, do you need to step out in faith as Rahab did, even if, or sorry, you need to step out in faith as Rahab did. She did it at the possibility of losing her life, not just from the people of Jericho, but she was relying on God and the people of Israel to keep her alive as well, that that promise would be fulfilled. I haven't truly experienced this too much but um, because I grew up in a Christian family, but I know from other believers who did not grow up in a Christian family, that, that, that when they became a Christian, when they their allegiance was now to God, that their family, their friends kind of pushed them away. They didn't want to be around them um, because they talked too much about God or, you know, Jesus freak. And in other ways... They've had to kind of push themselves away from their family, away from their friends, to get out of those situations that might cause them to sin. Right? And we have to. We got to step out in faith and do that. Where is your allegiance? Have you given up and forsaken your worldly lifestyle because of your faith in God? God of heaven and earth. Now, I kind of want to bring this up. Now, one thing we might, uh, that might cross our minds, is that Rahab lied. Rahab deceived in during this working out of her faith, you might say. Um, I'm sure we can pull out scriptures from the Bible that talk about lying being wrong. You can look at um, the Ten Commandments, you know, bearing false witness against your neighbor. We see that uh, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Uh, we can think about Ananias and Sapphira who lied and to the Holy Spirit and died for it. Um, You can go to Revelation, where we haven't reached chapter 21. There's a little ditty that a lot of people sing. Uh, (laughs) You probably know what it is. It's like, Revelation, Revelation, 21-8, 21-8. Liars go to hell, liars go to hell. Burn, 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 burn. Again, this is in a section that brings up a whole bunch of things, not liars. But I just want to point out that lying is not commended in the Bible, um, right? So why, why does God honor this woman in the Bible who worked out her faith through deceit, you might wonder? Or why did she have to lie in the first place if her faith was so great? Um, there's, I guess there's a few different views. I'll try and kind of go through them. I don't want to really focus on this too much, but I think it's something for us to think about um, in our lives. Uh, one one of the views um, I talked to Nathan Cedarlin, and he pointed me in the direction of Sam Storm. So, kind of read a little bit what he had to say, and he brings up kind of three different things. And one of them, the first one, is the lesser of two evils. That she chose the lesser of the two evils. Um, One evil being the lying, and the other evil being turning in God's people to be killed, essentially. Um, And so she chose the lesser evil, um, but still sinned in doing so. Um, The second one is called hierarchicalism. (laughs) Um, There, in in this, it's like there's a hierarchy of moral values, and when they come in again. conflict with each other. Um, The one of higher moral value takes precedence Um, and in this case there was examples of the midwives in Egypt who in Exodus chapter 1 who misled Pharaoh um, into because they didn't want to kill the newborns of, of the Israelites during the time of slavery. And it, it says they feared the Lord, and God actually blessed them for it and grew their families. Another one would be Jesus healing, um, healing on the Sabbath, that Jesus did not sin. He said it is, um, let's turn to that, actually. Matthew chapter 2. You know what, I think I put in, it would not be Matthew chapter 2 at all. I think I put in a wrong thing. But Jesus... I really want to find that. I apologize. Oh, probably 12... Yeah, 12. Um, Verse 9 says, He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, The man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So that's another view. There's another view called non-conflicting absolutism. I just call it the third choice, um, where she could have made another choice. Or, I don't know, could have said that. I'm not sure what she could have done but there's another choice that she could have made without having to lie to the soldiers. Um, that wouldn't involve her sinning. Um, I would also say, so that, those are kind of the three, and then I was talking to Mr. Timi later, and he was, uh, after I spoke at Kazi, and he was like, you know, the Puritans held another view that uh, deceit and lying were okay during war, if it had to do with the enemy. But we won't, we won't get into that. I would also say, let's keep in mind that she is a Canaanite woman from Jericho, a prostitute. And though she has, we see her faith, her belief in the God Yahweh, she might not be familiar with the law, with the Ten Commandments. She, and in so doing so, Um, sinned in ignorance, but still sinned, right? Um, So we should be careful about what is recorded and what is commended in the Bible. It's also something Sam Storm talked about. Because if you go to those places in James and Hebrews where it mentions Rahab, it doesn't mention her lying, her deceit, it commends her for her faith right um, and we do um, we do need to remember that where um, that God is gracious right God is gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and I think that's what you and I hold under in our lives is the grace of God right when we sin we come under the grace of of God. We are not commended to sin. We are not to take. Um, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. But we have to rely on the grace of God in those times when we do. Um, and so my personal thing, I believe that she sinned, and I believe she falls under the grace of God. Her faith was in Yahweh. So they make this deal with her, the, the spies. Um, verse 15 says, Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours, that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be upon his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we will be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, "According to your words, so be it." Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet—yeah, uh, she tied the scarlet cord in the window. This—we're uh, gonna kind of focus a little bit on the scarlet cord here. This, um, I guess, sign of, I should call it a sign of salvation. Um, that when the people of Israel come to destroy, that they would see that scarlet cord and they would pass over in their destruction of the people in there. And I want us to think about the Passover because I feel like this just, for me, yeah, I know uh, I was talking to Ben about it, but it totally went into my mind as soon as I read it that when God had called his people in Exodus chapter 12 um, to partake in the Passover, he would send his judgment on the Egyptians that they were to take a lamb, right, kill it and so many other things and then put the blood on the doorposts right and on the lintel and when the angel of death came through the angel of death would pass over that house that that house that firstborn in that house would be saved from destruction and so this is this is the same for Rahab she gets to put this cord outside that when destruction comes from the Israelites she is saved from that she is saved from the judgment of the people that she is she is there And because of that, we can look, we can look for you and me at the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us on the cross. That when we believe, that when we put our faith in Him, the blood that Jesus shed for you and for me, when we put our faith in Him and we come before God. He will not pass judgment on you because you will have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. His righteousness is covering you. Judgment will not be passed on you if you have believed in the name of Jesus Christ. So Rahab has her faith kind of in this cord that when the people of Israel see it, provided the spies tell the truth, tell tell the people, tell Joshua, when they come and destroy the land, that she will be saved. Again, she's continuing that faith in God. What I want us to notice here now, I think Joshua probably chose men whose faith were strong in the Lord, but I want you to notice the words that they told him in verse 24, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Those are pretty much the exact same words that Rahab, the prostitute, told them. If You go back into verse 9. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Rahab's faith, I would say, Rahab's faith in in God produced an increased faith in these two spies. That when they came to Joshua, they told the exact same thing that she did. The Lord has given us all the land, and the inhabitants of the land melt away. Before us. So when you step out, now that you're now that you're encouraged to step out in faith, those areas that you're thinking of that you're being convicted of right now, when you step out in God-fearing faith, others can be inspired by that faith. Your brothers and sisters in Christ can be inspired by that faith. I think that's why it's so encouraging when uh, when we have times when people share their testimonies how God has how God has saved them but not only that what God is doing in in our lives how how our faith is being worked out how our faith is growing in our great God God-fearing faith can inspire faith in others. We should do the same. We should do the same. So, That's kind of where we see Rahab. We jump all the way to chapter 6. Israelites are ready to walk around Jericho, right? Last day, seven times around Jericho. Um, And we're going to see the outcome of Rahab's faith here. So Rahab's in her house with her family. She's got the scarlet cord sitting outside the window verse 17 says in the city and I'm not going to read this whole section I'm going to read some specific things that mention Rahab it says in the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the lord for destruction only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent Verse 22 and 23, it says, But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burn. and I'll just continue here because up to verse 25, and they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive, and she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom God, whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho the outcome of Rahab's faith in God was her salvation. Rahab's faith is what saved her. It was not this cunning way in which she deceived the soldiers of Jericho and made a deal with the Israelites. But Rahab's faith rooted in the fear of the Lord God is what saved her. And in the same way, it is only by faith in this, in Yahweh, in God, that you will be saved. You need that scarlet cord You need that object of salvation. We need the blood of Christ. Because before Christ, our allegiance is to this world, right? We are counted among those in Jericho who were disobedient and doomed for destruction. Rahab realized who God was by hearing of his great power through his people Israel. She realized who God was and that he was her only source of salvation. I would ask you, have you realized who God is and have you placed your faith in him? Have you repented and forsaken your allegiance to this world for him? I would invite you to trust him now. And as we come into this Advent season, as we remember the coming of Christ, the seed of the woman, this week, as we've heard about Rahab, I pray that our faith, that your faith, my faith, that our faith would be increased and put into action during this season. That we would spread the good news of Christ's love and salvation to those here who are in Grace Harbor. Let's turn to Hebrews. I didn't turn there yet. Hebrews chapter 11. 30 and 31, it says, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And we can jump down to chapter 12. She's included in this great cloud of witnesses mentioned here in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, right now, we will be turning our attention to the cross. This time of communion with one another, as as believers, as those Who have put their face in Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth? We'll take of take of the cup and the bread, as believers, remembering remembering His death until He comes. We'll be singing a couple of songs. Um, I guess I'm leading that part. Um, As we sing the first song, you're welcome to come up and take the cup and the bread and go back to your seats. We, uh, I guess, we'll ask that you stand as we sing to our God. And um, we will take... The cup and the bread together. Our, our song will be up on the screen for this one, uh, The Power of the Cross. And then if you wouldn't mind, turn off my mic, or I can take it off, actually.